Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordina Osban, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Today, we will be discussing Shabbat, Dap Lamed 39. So this Dap, again, continues many of the themes that we've seen in the previous Dapim, particularly of this parakshi, which is dealing with Bishol, of cooking. Um, and we, again, will be raised with some questions of soil heating. Uh, for example, can the sun heat something? Can something insulate it? Right, something cold and something hot. Uh, is that an okay method to heat something on show? Um, as well as intent. So I'm going to hand it off to Anne to start our discussion. And we'll conclude with a very nice little uh, insight at the end of the DAP about how halakhic decision making is made. So it's exactly as you say, these themes or points or, you know, requirements in terms of what is the halakha and what what. What happened? What has to be in place for a malacha to have taken place is exactly here. Um, for example, right? There's a, the first case, or one of the first cases on the daf is when you have You put something in a pit so it should be, you know, protected. And in that pit, so you put your food in there, but there's also water and is it good water is it bad water and then it's going to cool it off and you put in cold water where your goal it will cool off the cold water but it will warm up the cool water right, so there's this whole big discussion here what's going on we're talking about something and and what do we care about it so for our purposes right we're talking about something that you talk about something that's insulated right can are you allowed to wrap something up let's say an egg right you talk about any or, or any kind of tavshil, right? Anything that's a cooked item or a to-be-cooked item that, you know, would be where the heat of the ground or the heat of the sun um, protecting the ground will make a difference, right? Are you allowed to do that? Is that considered, you know, cooking? And we know that there is such a thing, let's say, as frying an egg, an egg on the sidewalk, right? You can have a hot enough day where the, the solar power will actually bring about technical chemical cooking. But does that count on Shabbat? And this is where we talk about what is the nature of what's going on. Does it count as an oven? Is what you're doing something that is a normal thing for cooking? And you know, certainly most of us are not cooking eggs on the sidewalk as a matter of course. Um, what about your intent? If you have left your package outside and it happens to cook, that's a very different thing than if you are using the sun's power you know, the natural power outside for the sake of cooking. So these are the discussions that are, are raised here. You know, when you put your food into the sun itself and and it seems like there's a machokot about it. Like, is it permitted? Is it not permitted? And then Rav Nachman comes along and he says, Mapitom, he says, what are you talking about? Of course, everybody agrees that you're allowed to put food in the sun and that it will warm it up. And nobody thinks that that's fire. And nobody thinks that you can, you know, adjust the temperature, which is the... One of the main concerns of the malach of, of Bishal is a concern that you you might come to you know stir up the coals to provide a, a faster heat, a hotter heat for your item. You can't do that with the sun, and nobody thinks that you can. So, you know, he says everybody thinks that that's okay. The real question is, what about something that is you know a, a derivative of the sun, right? Where where something that is heated in the sun can that thing now heat something else, right? And and so, and it, maybe that's more like fire because it's 
already, you know, or, or a secondary pot, right, that's containing the heat from the sun. Can you put, can you hide your thing? Can you bury your thing in Chol? We talked about Hatzmana very briefly. In fact, I said, we're not going to be talking about Hatzmana that day. On this day, we'll mention a little bit more briefly what happens when you bury something to insulate it. Right, you put it in this pit. You put it. You wrap it up, and the thing that you wrap it up in gives off heat, or if it doesn't give off heat. So again, these are. I think Hatzman is one of the most complicated areas of the Bishlon Shabbos kind of issue. But the question is that you, then you're not just talking about the sun, right? Then you're talking about trapping the heat of the sun to provide a better cooking apparatus, let's say, a better heat source for the food that you want to cook, and that gets a little more complicated. Um, okay, now the the discussion of the of the egg, right? I I said, oh, we all know we can cook an egg on the sidewalk. It's not incidental. The Gemara specifically talks about an egg, and the Gemara says, and I'm sorry, I'm doing everything outside, but we have a lot to cover, and we want to kind of you know constrict our our time zone, our time frame here today. So bear with me. You can roast your egg on the rooftop that's been heated by the sun. But you can't do it on the sidewalk right now. Why not? Like, what what difference would it make? And the concern seems to be that on the sidewalk, you might actually come to insulate it with whatever, you know, hot sand, hot ash, something like that that's on the ground. Whereas on the rooftop, you're not talking about anything that might otherwise come to be an an oven. It's a it's a completely bizarre situation, apparently. And therefore, you're allowed to do it. So again, the chemical phenomenon of cooking, taking the item that was not cooked and now using a heat source to make it cooked is not inherently or not always inherently a problem. Where it becomes a problem is when it looks like a standard form of cooking, right? Where somebody then might think that you could do this all the time or where there's going to be insulation, which means that you are actively contributing to the cooking in a way that the sun on your egg, right? You don't really have much to say about that, but if you're insulating it with sand or something like that, then, um, then you are contributing to it, okay? And you know, the again, the case of a rooftop, I don't know. Different roofs are built differently, but the idea here is that up on the roof, all you have there is the roof. You don't have a, you know, um, a repository of dirt or a repository of sand, which you're going to bury your egg. Now, here we come to the part of the duff that I've been running to get to, and that I care about the most as an example of. Um, you know, exactly this example of where, how does intent play it out and how, play out rather, and how does the natural, how does a natural heat source make a difference? And the Gemara's take here, I find fascinating and important and, and join me here. Tashma, come and learn. Masesha asu anshei teveria ima So what happens? Tiveria, for those of you who have spent any recreational time there, Tiveria is home to hot springs. Hot springs where the there's a bubbling up of hot water from the earth, right? And certainly Tiveria is not the only place in the world that has hot springs. You can go to Saratoga Springs in New York and in New York State, and you'll find hot springs as well. They're all over the place. I mean, I don't know where they are all over the place. You can find them, okay? The concern is, can you now cook in the hot springs, right? So the people of Tavaria would run a cold water pipe through the hot water. And then, you know, the question is, could that heat it up? Right. And again, the question is going to be, can you insulate it and so on? Right. Um, in the same kind of way. And you would, you would think, I would think 
Well, isn't this comparable to the sun, right? This is nature. It is far away. There's nothing we can do to change this. Not really. Again, maybe you can uh, insulate your, your cooking item to make it heat faster or better, but you can't change the heat source itself, okay? But what happens? The Gemara says, no, you can't treat the hot springs of Tavaria like you treat the sun because the sun, um, the sun is, well, it says, basically it says the sun is its own case, right? Where the heat, the heat source is the sun and there's, there's nothing akin to fire. I mean, we know the sun is fire, but the, there's nothing akin to the kind of fire that they're talking about for cooking. But, and this is the Gemara's case, <laughs> the Rabbanim prohibited the hot springs of Tiveria. Um, because the hot springs of Tiveria are hot because they pass over the entrance to Gehinom, to hell. They are heated by hellfire. And and now I'm stuck because, wait, what? Right? The Gemara is what we think as a natural phenomenon in our day and age. The Gemara says, well, it's very clear. That's heated by the fires of hell, so you cannot use that heat source because you're using fire, which is prohibited on Shabbos. And there you go. It's a very interesting passage. Um, one piece I thought of is that maybe it's saying that because it's clear from the page that this Chamim uh, Tiveria, the hot springs of Tiveria, seems to somehow um, have maybe caused some sinning, right? Because there was the whole thing, you know, they had to make that special gazera, they couldn't use it. And, you know, it kept the ante kept being up. Like they tried to restrict bathing in this way and then this way and then that way. And people were basically just using the springs on Travis. So I wonder if that's met somewhat like almost. Um, you know, not literally, but more to say, like, it's it's springs that cause people to sin, and that's what it's heated with. They must have been so comfortable and so good to use. People, it almost is like people just couldn't control themselves on Chavez from using them. So I don't know, maybe it's meant, like, in a figurative sense. Which is, by the way, if if that is the case, what a polite Gemara, right? If you're going to lambast people for doing the wrong thing, especially in an improprietous kind of way, that is very polite. Yeah, I, okay, right. When the Gemara can also tend to be not polite in these types of situations. So, you know, right. that, that was the only way that I could understand that is that it's it's meant figuratively because, again, literally in this context, it was the source of causing people to sin on Shabbat. Um, I wanted... Look, I think okay. also they had no idea what he did the water, right. right? Meaning, yeah, you know, we have more scientific knowledge now of geology, whatever. Okay, I don't want to take your time. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so I just wanted to talk about something at the end of the page. Um, there was a discussion at the, you know, mid to bottom of Ahmed Bet, uh, where they cite a three-way machlokas, Rabbi Meir um, and uh, Rabbi Yehuda, about whether or not one can bathe on Shabbat. And so they then record at the bottom the following discussion. I'm a Rabbi Barbarachana, I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Barbarachana said that Rabbi Yochanan said the following, Halakha Rabbi Yehuda, that the halakha in this case is like Rabbi Yehuda. Opinion was you can't bathe with warm water, hot water, but you could bathe in cold water. Amar le Rabbi Yosef. So Rabbi Yosef asked the following question. Bifei Rashmi Alecha Lach, O Michalash Mi 
So this is a great question. He says, did you learn this from Rabbi Yochanan because you heard it from him? Or did you learn it by inference? And I think this is somewhat the essential question of Gemara, right? That we are talking about an oral tradition that somehow now had to be recorded in a formalized way. And sometimes that's done by, you know, somebody saying, I was at so-and-so's house or I asked this person directly. Or sometimes it's done by someone saying, well, wait, I heard this Mishnah and it had direct this teaching. Or sometimes it's done by inference, which is someone says, well, I know this case that this Tana or Amora taught. And to me, it seems to apply to this case that we're discussing. So this is Rabbi Yosef's question is, did you hear this explicitly from Rabbi Yochanan or was this taught by inference? The Amar Rav Tanchum, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Amar Rabbi Yanai, Amar Rabbi. Okay, so now it's going to give a overall statement here. In any place where you see that two people disagree and that one person is the compromise, and here obviously Rabbi Yehuda is the compromising position, right? The halacha is like the compromiser. So except for a particular case, um, which has to do with uh, an issue of insignificant or small strips of material and whether or not they could be, um, uh, you know, could be macabre tuma, whether they could get ritual impurity. And Rabbi Eliezer is strict in that case. Rabbi Yeshua is um, mekel, he's lenient. And Rabbi Akiva has like an in-between um, position. And it says in that case, the halacha does not go like Rabbi Akiva. And it continues down into the other page uh, to give a little bit more explanation about why it isn't with Rabbi Akiva. Um, and then at the top of the next page, uh, it also says, and now I guess I'm starting with Mem, right? And if it was by inference, if a halacha is learned by inference, what? Okay, so it says that if it's by inference, right, there's a distinction made if it's from a Mishnah or from a Brita, right? Because maybe a Brita is not actually as a reliable source. And Rabbi Barbarachana concludes and says, no, I actually heard this explicitly from him. So I just thought this was a really interesting piece here that explains a little bit some of the halakha used to actually sak halakha. Acknowledgement here that we do try to use the compromising position. That sort of makes sense. Um, and understanding that in situations, you know, that there could be a difference when someone cites an opinion or halacha, if it's based on something that they heard explicitly, or if it's something that they're learning out from an inference they make from another source. So I just think this gives us a lot to think about, about the halakhic system in the Gemara itself. Remain to that. Um, I think, I kind of feel like all of these cases are, provide us insight into the halakhic system, the Gemara itself. So I all the more appreciate it when the Gemara talks about what it's doing and we're not there to pull it out right it's yeah it's interesting to see when it sort of like self-reflects on itself in no pun intended in a very explicit right. way right, right. <laughs> right it's explicitly explaining to us how it actually works that's our duff discussion for the day rank us reviews where you get your podcast join us in a whatsapp group 
come and comment on our Facebook page. Thank you to Michelle for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.